tonight, turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12, a passage you know very well. And we're going to continue tonight our series on growing in the gap. Uh, and looking forward to the message tonight. It's really going to lock in uh, kind of like a, uh, like a train car with the message we preached last week on patience in the series of Growing in the Gap. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to pick up in the familiar passage of verse 1. Read down verse 1, 2, and verse number 3. And then we're going to pray and get into the message. I hope you've had a great day today and you've been praying about what the Lord would have for you in the service tonight. And if you haven't been, you'll have an opportunity in just a moment to make sure your heart is ready to receive what God's prepared for us because God knows what we're going through and God knows what we need and God will give us what we need through his word if we're just willing to receive that. So let's read together verse 1, 2, and 3 and then we'll pray and let's make sure our hearts are right and ready to receive the message tonight. The Bible says, wherefore seeing we also are, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And let's pray and let's ask God to give us what we need. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, even as we read it just now, how our hearts or how my heart was stirred and Lord, see things, Lord, that I need to know and that I need to be about, uh, Lord, during these unusual circumstances we're living through right now. Lord, I pray you bless the message. Lord, speak well beyond what I can do and stir hearts. And I pray that come invitation time, even though we can't come down to an altar, Lord, help us to bow within our heart and submit ourselves to your will in the service tonight. And we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 tonight, we're going to pull a passage out of this or several passages out of this as we continue the series Growing in the Gap. And I want to remind you about what the burden is for this message. Uh, and it's a burden as a pastor that how often somewhere between our start and our finish in the walk of God and the will of God, uh, we lose our way and we get lost in that gap somewhere between where we start and where we finish. I would dare say I'm not a, uh, someone who can give you an accurate statistic, but I would dare say over half of Christians lose their way somewhere between the start uh, and in the finish and they get lost in that gap. And unfortunately, that's where most Christians walk with God ends. And we've been trying to talk about a walk with God and our devotions every morning. And I hope you've been keeping up with that because Paul has some wonderful things for us in the book of Colossians on our walk with Christ and our walk with God. Uh, but tonight I want to illustrate something for you that I saw several years ago. And it's something as I was going down I-20 or across I-20 uh, from Jackson to Meridian, I was in the area where Brother Bo lives. And uh, the last exit before you get to Meridian uh, from between Jackson and Meridian it's called Lost Gap, uh, and it's the last exit before you get there to Meridian. There's a big gas station there, the Lost Gap uh, truck stop, uh, and I thought to myself, how fitting is it that that is so similar to our Christian lives? Uh, we set out on the journey from point A to point B, and somewhere be before we get to point B, uh, we get to Lost Gap, and so often that's the case for us, and I desire tonight that our church not get lost in the gap, because in the circumstances we're going through right now, we're isolated, we're separated from one another, we're going to be more susceptible to get lost and to lose our way. And so last week we looked at the thought of patience and realizing that it's going to require patience to get through this time that we're going through. Between point A and point B, we're going to have to have patience. There's no way around that. But tonight we're going to look at the thought of perseverance. 
And patience and perseverance oftentimes are interconnected. But I want you to think about it this way. Patience is when we endure things on our way to the outcome of the will of God for our life. Perseverance really deals with the persistent pursuit on our way to the outcome. Now, you've got to have both, all right? You've got to be patient in your pursuit. But patience in that pursuit is what we're going to call perseverance tonight. And if we have perseverance, that passionate pursuit and desire to to reach the outcome that I have no doubt that will fulfill the will of God for our lives. And we will grow in this gap. We'll not get lost in this gap, but we will grow in this gap. And so tonight we're going to look at the outcome and it's going to show us what we're persevering for. And then we're going to look at our obstacle and show us what we must persevere through. And then most importantly, we will look at the obedience and it's the way that we persevere in order to succeed. So let's jump right into it tonight. Verse number one, the Bible says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And the Bible says this, and let us run. As this series goes on, you know we're going to have the outcome, we're going to have the obstacle, and then we're going to have our obedience. And as we look in verse number one, it's hard to see the outcome because the outcome is not in verse number one. It's not in any of the verses that we read. Truthfully, the outcome is the entire chapter before it, and that's chapter number 11. Chapter 12 deals with the race that we're running. But when you read chapter number 11, chapter number 11 is what God desires we become as we run our race. Notice this, if you will. The Bible says, verse number one, wherefore seeing. Notice those two words. The Bible's referring to something. The Bible says, now, seeing what I have showed you, what has God showed us? Well, he showed us chapter number 11. And chapter number 11, the entire chapter, is the outcome of the will of God for all of our lives. So what is that? Number one, notice that the outcome is a faithful witness. Chapter number 11 is nothing but a list of faithful witnesses of the will of God who remained faithful, who grew in the gap, who had perseverance to fulfill the will of God for our life. And so God gives us chapter number 11. And he says, chapter number 11 is what I want you to do, wherefore seeing. What is he saying? Looking back at chapter 11. You see that? He's kind of given us an illustration. Now, I don't know if this is the way that it went, but when I read chapter 11, it's just this long grocery list. And then finally, when we get to the beginning of chapter 12, I kind of feel like God was taking a breath. <sighs> okay, wherefore seeing? Look back at what I just showed you. Now, this is what I want you to do. He says, okay, this is the pattern of faithful witnesses that I want you to persevere to become. That's the outcome. God wants us to take our place in the history of the will of God for our life and be as someone that is listed in Hebrews 11 that was a faithful witness who persevered to reach the outcome of fulfilling the will of God for their life. So let's look at these faithful witnesses tonight. Because if you're not careful, here's what's going to happen. You're going to overlook chapter 11 and miss the point of chapter number 11. What God was doing in chapter number 11 is he was giving us example after example after example of what we should be persevering for. Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of people who persevered in the faith, who grew in the gap and fulfilled the will of God. And God says, okay, you see what I showed you? Wherefore seeing, you see what I'm showing you? I showed you the outcome that I want you to run your race so that you fulfill God's will for your life. Now, I think about my wife oftentimes. I think I've told you this before, but I'm going to show you some pictures here in just a second. My wife oftentimes will ask me to build something for her. 
And uh, I don't mind doing that. I love my wife, and she does so much for me. At least I can do is build something for her every once in a while. And uh, a while back, we were in Monroe, and she says, I think I'd like to have a new kitchen table. Up until then, so much of our furniture was borrowed furniture. Uh, we would go to thrift stores, and we would buy clearance stuff. Remember, our couch came off of the showroom model. You just make do with what you can. And she said, I think I'd like to have a nice kitchen table. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I says, here's the deal. I'll build you whatever you want, but you have to show me a picture. Uh, I learned years ago, there's no way to connect my mind to her mind and understand what she's getting at. Uh, by the way, I believe if you, could, if you could come up with that adapter to hook up to a wife's head and connect it to the husband's head, you would be a genius. You'd probably win the Nobel Peace Prize and bring about peace on earth because oftentimes it's how they think and how we think that there's a disconnect. And so I tell my wife, I'll be glad to build you whatever you want. You've just got to show me a picture. And so she had a picture. I'll show you right quick. Uh, the picture, I believe, on your left is the picture of the table that she wanted. She said, this is the table that I want. Uh, I want to, you know, lay legs that are white, and I want a top that's kind of rough barn wood. And can you build me that? And so I got as close as I could to build what she wanted. And it was so easy because she gave me a picture. And when you have a picture, you just build what you see in the picture. Something else she wanted was a, uh, a mirror. <coughs> Excuse me. She saw a mirror that someone had that was in the shape of Texas. Now, obviously, she was not from Texas, and I was not from Texas. Uh, she says, I would like one of those mirrors, but I want it to be of Louisiana. So I took the picture that she gave me, uh, and I tried to build a picture of what she wanted. Now, it wasn't that hard. Let me tell you why. <clears throat> Number one, I had the material. Number two, I had a pattern of what she was desiring. And so I took the material that I had and the talent that I had, and I took the material and put it all together and produced something fairly close to what she desired to have. <clears throat> now you say, why are you showing that? Just to show us what you built? Not at all. What I'm showing you is, is Hebrews chapter number 11 is the pattern for which God desires we run our race in chapter 12 to fulfill the outcome of his will. And God says, look, I've given you a picture. As a matter of fact, God could have just gave us one person. God could have just given us one example and says, okay, follow the example of Abel. But no, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of fame of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, lives, gives us little doubt of what a faithful witness is. Listen, one day the only thing that's going to matter to you in all of this world is that you reach the outcome of becoming a faithful witness for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all that's going to matter to you. So many of the things that distract us right now in our life are not going to matter. As a matter of fact, when we stand before God, so many of the things that did distract us from becoming the faithful witness and reaching the outcome, we will abhor. We're going to hate why? Because all that's going to matter is to hear from our Father, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So God desires that we be a faithful witness. And then he goes through all of the trouble of giving us an entire chapter of faithful witnesses to serve as our example. <clears throat> now here's what I want you to see. In Hebrews chapter 11, as you read through these examples of faithful witnesses that God gave us, you're going to see account after account after account of people who had to persevere to reach the outcome of becoming a faithful witness. And we don't have time to look at all of them, but I want to look at just a few for you tonight. Look down to verse number four. <clears throat> the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. We know the story. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet 
speaketh. Now, what is the faithful witness of Abel showing us? The faithful witness of Abel is showing us that a faithful witness seeks righteousness through obedience. Now, you notice verse 4. The Bible says he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, God is giving us the example of Abel. This is the picture of someone who fulfilled the outcome of being a faithful witness, someone who persevered. How did he become a faithful witness that reached the outcome of fulfilling the will of God? He sought righteousness through obedience. Now, folks, it's important to note that the examples that God is giving us is what we are going to have to do in order to persevere to become a faithful witness for the cause of Christ. Let me tell you, two of the most important but difficult things that you're going to have to persevere to do in the will of God for your life is obedience and righteousness. There's no way, listen, that you are accidentally going to be obedient to the will of God and stumble upon being a faithful witness. It's not going to happen. There's no way that you're going to stumble upon becoming righteous in order to be a faithful witness of the cause of Christ. That's not going to happen by accident. You are going to have to persevere. You are going to have to passionately pursue obedience and righteousness if you have any expectation on becoming a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why he gives us examples. He says these people were faithful witnesses. I mean, can you imagine God taking the time to include your life and your testimony of one that was a faithful witness? Verse number 12, chapter 12 tells us you're going to have to run your race, but you're going to have to run with perseverance in order to be righteous and in order to be obedient. Now, I know those are two things that are very much out of style in 2020. You say, what is that obedience and righteousness? Anytime I think about being out of style, I think about something that happened to me several years ago. Vacation Bible School at our church in Louisiana. And I'm a loafer guy. I like to wear loafers. And they slip on and slip off. Maybe that makes me I'm lazy. I'm not sure. Uh, but I like to wear loafers. And I would just slip my loafers on, go to VBS, and have a good time. And one of these girls, uh, one of our sweet kids, walks up to me, and she looks down at my shoes, which obviously I'm not wearing loafers tonight because I learned my lesson that night. And she says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. How old she? About eight years old? About eight years old? She says, are you wearing pawpaw shoes? And I said, Ex- excuse me? Now, here's this eight-year-old kid throwing major shade on me. I says, well, what are pawpaw shoes? She goes, those. She says, my pawpaw has a pair of those shoes. Now, I've always loved loafers. You know, I used to wear them without socks when I was a teenager. I just thought that was cool. And, you know, I didn't know that they were out of style, that loafers were pawpaw shoes, and they were out of style for a guy at the time that was in his 30s. And so I'm not always good on what's in style and what's out of style, but I held on to them. Because one thing we know about style, styles come and they go, and then they come back again. That's why some of you are holding on to the bell bottoms, even though you're never going to fit into them anyway. Why? Styles come and go, and they come back. Now, let me tell you something. Right now, obedience and righteousness are out of style. You go out in this world, and you try to be obedient to the will and the word of God. That's out of style. You try to live a righteous life where you have morals and you actually have boundaries that you raise your children by and that you live by and that you build your home by. Oh, my goodness. You are completely out of style. I want to tell you something. Don't worry. It's going to come back. 
And when we stand before God, obedience and righteousness is going to come back in style. And you are going to be so glad that you persevered in the will of God to be obedient and you strive to be righteous in order to obtain the faithful witness status that God desires for us when we stand before him. So God shows us an example of Abel and he says, Abel shows us that a faithful witness seeks righteousness through obedience. Now you're going to have to persevere to do that, I assure you. There's no way you're going to stumble upon that. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> the Bible says, By faith Enoch <clears throat> was translated that he should not see death. and was not found because God had translated him. Now watch this next part. The Bible says, For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. So God says in chapter 12, verse number 1, Wherefore seeing he wanted us to see something in chapter number 11. It's the example of a faithful witness. He's going to tell us in chapter 12, verse 1 and verse number 2, You run your race with perseverance in order to obtain to be the faithful witness. And the faithful witness is what I showed you in chapter number 11. And he says in verse number 5 that Enoch shows us what? He shows us that a faithful witness desires to please God. If we want to become a faithful witness, we're going to have to persevere to please God. That's not something that's going to happen by accident, I assure you. The one thing I can assure you of is this. When we all stand before God, both lost and saved, the Bible says that every knee is going to bow, every one of them. Even those who so vehemently deny God right now, they will stand before an almighty God. And the Bible says that every knee is going to bow. Can I tell you at that moment when we stand and we kneel before God, the one thing that everybody is going to desire is that at that moment they are pleasing to God. That's what they're going to desire. They're going to desire that through Christ they had trusted, they had trusted Christ and his shed blood on the cross, and they stand before God righteous through what Christ did. And yet when we stand at that moment and we kneel at that moment, not everyone will be pleasing to God. Not even all of the Christians that will stand there will have a life that was pleasing to God. Why? Because when you get to that moment, it's too late to decide that you wanted to please God. At that moment, you desire that, but it's too late to accomplish that. You see, in order to please God then, we must persevere to please God now. There's no way when you get to that place, you're going to decide, you know what? I decide I want to be pleasing to you. It's too late. You see, right now, in this life, we persevere to fulfill the will of God. Why? So that then we stand before God as Enoch, as one that pleased God. See, right now is the time to decide who you're going to please. Right now, you have to decide that. It's too late when you get there, all right? You know, it's kind of like the drive through window at McDonald's. Uh, you place your order before you get to the window. And when you get to the window, even though every once in a while you'll run into a nice worker who will let you add things to there, you're really supposed to place your order over there. And then you drive around the corner and get what you ordered. Well, it's going to be like that in heaven. Right now, we're at the drive through window. Right now, we get to decide what we want when we get to the window. The window's heaven. And everybody's going to want to desire to be pleasing unto God. But now is the time you place that order. Right now is when you decide, I'm going to persevere to be righteous and to be obedient. Right now, I'm going to persevere to please God. Why? Because when I get to the window, I want to be pleasing to him. And I want to be approved of God. But I'll tell you right now is the time you've got to decide to do that. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, you know it well. The Bible tells us, that the three men that were given the talents, the two that took in, they, they earned the money and they took the money and they put it to the exchangers. The Bible says they earned more money and more talents. The master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
But the one man that had the one and the master returned and stood before him, the only thing I'll guarantee you that that young man desired is that he would be pleasing to his master. But it was too late. It was too late. The time to decide you wanted to be approved and to please the master was the time that you had some time to do something about it. But he did not persevere. He did not have a passionate pursuit to please him earlier. That's why he did not please him later. And I fear tonight, I really do, so many of us will stand before God and we're not going to be the faithful witness. We're not going to reach the outcome that God desired and commanded of us. Why? Because we did not persevere to please God. Right now is the time that we have to decide who we're going to please. We can read on down. For the sake of time, we're not, but we can read about Noah in verse number 7. He said, what can we learn about the faithful witness of Noah? Well, Noah shows us that a faithful witness prepares for what will be. Notice what the Bible says real quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. The Bible says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Notice that. Noah is listed in the list of faithful witnesses who reached the desired outcome. How did he get there? Well, he's showing us in verse 7 that a faithful witness prepares for what will be. He moved, the Bible says, on things not seen as yet. The Bible goes on down in verse 8, talk about Abraham. Don't have time to go into it, but the Bible says that Abraham went out not knowing. What is Abraham's witness showing us? It's showing us that a faithful witness just simply goes where God shows. Think about that. Faithful witness just goes where God shows. Now, whether it's Abraham or Noah, listen, in order for Noah to, to get, reach the place to prepare for what was not yet seen, he had to persevere. Imagine all of those years, decades that he spent doing the will of God. He persevered through the persecution and the difficulty and the adversity and all of the naysayers. But he persevered. Why? Because a faithful witness sees what is not yet. And he's working for something that is not yet. And if we desire to be a faithful witness as Noah, we're going to have to persevere to see what is not yet. As Abraham, we're going to have to persevere to go where God shows us, no matter how difficult it is. Verse 23, keep reading. I'll give you the last one before I give you the second point. The Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You see that old Moses... Instead of desiring to be accepted of Pharaoh and to be embraced by the house of Pharaoh, the Bible says, verse number 24, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What does a faithful witness show us? Well, a faithful witness shows us that you choose to be accepted of God. Moses could have easily been accepted of Pharaoh. Moses could have easily had all of the trappings of Egypt in his day, and yet Moses chose, I'm going to persevere. What does it say? Look down, if you will, verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer. Do you know what it takes to suffer affliction and not be deterred? Perseverance. Perseverance. Moses says, you know what? I I want to be accepted of God. I may not be accepted of Pharaoh, but I'm going to be accepted of God. And being accepted of Pharaoh is only going to last a few years, but a vapor this life is. I want to be accepted of God for all eternity. And so Moses persevered in order to be accepted of God. Listen, if you want to reach the outcome of being a faithful witness, you're not going to get there without perseverance. There must be a passionate pursuit of who God desires that we be. Now, for all of us, I think we would be on, if we were honest, we could look at chapter 11 and see that the faithful witness is, is fairly explanatory. 
You don't have to wonder, what is a faithful witness? God gave us an entire chapter, and he gave us so many examples of different people who were faithful and who faithfully persevered. So it's kind of self-explanatory. There's no way we should be able to miss this. And yet, how many of us will stand before God and will not be a faithful witness because we didn't take the time to look at the examples that God gave us and then to live by them? That's my wife earlier to, to remind me of the story, and she's, she's like my encyclopedia. She does a great job with that, and she reminded me that um, several months ago we were watching a Ben Shapiro video, I think it was, or one of those political videos, and um, someone was uh, shouting him down because uh, he was defending the Boy Scouts for only wanting to have boys in the Boy Scouts, and the lady actually had the audacity to ask the question, where does it say where only boys can be in Boy Scouts? Now, look, I'm not as smart as some of these political pundits are, but I got that one. It's right there in the name is what he said. They're called the Boy Scouts. It's pretty simple. It's, it's right there. It's right there in front of me. It's spelled out. And I'm sure all of us right now are probably saying, exactly, exactly. I mean, where is common sense in America? It's spelled out right there in front of you. How could you miss that? I mean, it's right there in print. Boy Scouts. Uh, just go ahead and go out on a limb and say, maybe it's for boys. And yet, right there in print, God gives us almost 20 different examples of what a faithful witness is. And we're going to stand before God. I don't know that we're going to do this, but I do believe the Bible shows that some are even going to offer excuses. Lord, Lord, those are excuses. You know, I just didn't know what a faithful witness was. He's going to say it was right there. I gave you 20 examples of different people and how they persevered. There were people just like you and I. People who lived in a flesh body. People who suffered persecution. People who had difficulty to overcome. People who had to suffer affliction, as the Bible says. I gave you example after example after example, and yet it was right there in print and you ignored it. So number one, what is the outcome? God desires that we be a faithful witness. That's all that's going to matter. I'll be honest with you, boy, there are times. And a lot of it was in my earlier ministry, but it still affects me today. I still live in a flesh body. And boy, you desire that people know your name. People hear you preach. People talk about what you preach and so on and so forth. You know what that is? That's flesh. You want to be accepted of the world, accepted of people. But in the end, you know what's going to matter? Not that people liked you or knew you or heard of you. What's going to matter is that you were accepted and approved of God. Therefore, we have to persevere. Notice the second thing. Go back, if you will, to verse chapter number 12. The pattern is in chapter 11. He says, we're foreseeing. He says, look back at what I showed you, okay? Now that you see that, here's what I want you to do. The Bible says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run. Now, God made it so clear in chapter 11, it ought to be easy, right? It ought to be easy. We know where God wants us to go. We know who God wants us to be. God gave us pictures after pictures after pictures in chapter 11. He knows where he wants us to go. And so that's going to be easy, right, to get from here to there? Not at all. Now enters the obstacle. What is the obstacle that keeps us from the outcome? Well, verse 1, the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every weight. The second thing that we must see tonight is the obstacle And the obstacle is our foolish weights, our foolish weights. What stands between you and a faithful servant and becoming a faithful servant is foolish weights. He says in verse 1, we're foreseeing. You see those people 
that's what I'm going to expect of you, that you be a faithful witness. And I gave you their story to show you how they did it. So wherefore seeing, let us run, let us persevere. He says, here's how you're going to persevere. Let us lay aside every weight. See, chapter 11 shows us what he wants us to be, and chapter 12 shows us what we're going to have to deal with in order to get there. Notice the word weights. I know it mentions sin. Uh, I, think, I think we're probably all in agreement on what sin is. I hope we are. If not, we'll cover that uh, maybe another service and explain what sin is. But let's look at these weights tonight. The Bible says that what weights do is they easily beset us. Beset us. You look that word up, the word beset simply means a difficulty that hinders persistently. A difficulty that hinders us persistently. The Bible says between you and becoming a faithful witness, there are foolish weights that are going to beset you or hinder you from running the race. I want to take, give you my opinion tonight. You don't have to agree with me, uh, and you're welcome to, to mention that in the comments if you like. But I believe that weights can oftentimes be more dangerous than sins. You say, why? I'll tell you why. The difference is... Sins apply to everyone, all right? Murder is wrong for everybody. Adultery is wrong for everybody, amen? I mean, I'm giving you an easy one to amen at. Everybody can amen it. Even you guys that don't amen, you can amen that one, all right? Murder's a sin. Adultery's a sin. Stealing's a sin. Abortion's a sin. We cover all of those things, right? Yes, we understand that. But what are weights? The Bible makes a difference in that there are weights and there are sins. You see, weights do not necessarily apply to everybody. And they're different for everybody. Stick with me and I'll explain. Years ago, I was in the car with a friend. We were going down the road. And I noticed that right there where the console of his radio was, his radio was gone. I said, hey, you know, somebody robbed your car. He says, no, I took it out. And I says, why did you take it out? He says, well, years ago, I used to play in clubs and joints and all of that. And, man, I just love the music and how, look, I'll be turn, turn the radio on. just want to hear some news and try to find a radio station as I travel. And I'll hear that stuff that I used to play and I used to listen to. And he says, it just, man, it just speaks to my flesh and it stirs up my flesh. Here's what he said, it hinders me. It hinders me. So you know what he did? He snatched it out of his car. I mean, there's this big hole there. With, I mean, I don't know what was up in there. And there's this gaping hole with wires everywhere. He snatched it out. Now look, when I'm going down the road, I don't have a problem with that. I have a radio in my car. It's still there. I have a fancy radio with a screen and all this. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't, it doesn't stir me. My, now, if I did, I'd pull it out, but it bothered him. You see, it was a weight to him. It was something that stirred up something in him that hindered his perseverance to become a faithful witness. And he said, you know what? This is a foolish weight. And he snatched it out. It's almost like if his eye offended him, he plucked it out. He sure did. Why? Because he says, I want to persevere. I want to faithfully and passionately pursue becoming a faithful servant. That's the outcome of the will of God for my life. And I've got to get rid of this foolish weight that's hindering me in my perseverance. You say, well, that's stupid. I bet he makes it to the finish line. I bet he does. So often, here's what we do. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and give you an advance warning. Please don't ever say this to me. There's nothing wrong with it. All right, look, I didn't ask you if there's anything wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with his radio. I'm sure it was a perfectly good radio. I hope he sold it, got some money out of it or something, you know. But here's the problem. It was a weight to him. 
It was a hindrance to him. It beset him. So what does it mean? It distracted him from his perseverance to become a faithful witness. He said, that's got to go. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a radio. Nothing wrong with it. But it hinders me. And I'll tell you, what stands between you and becoming a faithful witness is foolish weights. I'll give you an example. I love Campbell's Soup. And I meant Campbell's Soup. You know, I love all the different kinds that are there. And I love the clam chowder. It's one of my favorites. No, you do not have to bring me a bunch of cans of clam chowder tomorrow, all right? Anytime I mention food, it just shows up here everywhere. You don't have to do that. You've been so good about that. But uh, I love Campbell's Soup. And, you know, if I'm going to run a race... You want to get some, you know, some carbs in there, get some protein in there, get you just a big old can of that chunky Campbell's soup. But you know what? If I decided I wanted to run a race with cans of Campbell's soup in my pocket, well, that wouldn't be very expedient, would it? You know, trying to run a race and you got this Campbell's soup. You know what? As far as I know, there's nothing wrong with Campbell's soup. There may be a new conspiracy theory out where they're part of the one world government. I don't know. But as far as I know, there's nothing wrong with Campbell's soup. But you don't want to run a race with cans of Campbell's soup in your pockets. Why? They're going to hinder you. And so if you plan on finishing the race and you want to win the race and cross the finish line, you're going to take those cans of Campbell's soup and you're going to put them down. Why? Is there anything wrong with them? No. They're just weights. And you don't need them on your way to fulfill what your desire is and your desire is to finish the race. My daughter's like me. My daughter has a, a rock collection. Come to my office. I have rocks from all over the country, some all over the world. And uh, several years ago, Brother Ravi brought me a piece of Alcatraz. I have a piece of Alcatraz in my office. And I have some of the lava from Pompeii. And anytime we travel somewhere, we get rocks, cheap souvenirs. You know, if you just start building that up in your kid's mind, that having a piece of that, you know, is something a big deal. It'll save you on all the stuff teddy bears you're going to have to give the Salvation Army later, you know. And so I like having a rock collection. It's in my office. Come and see it. I'll show you a lot of the rocks from different places. But you know what? If I'm going to go for a swim, I do not take my rock collection with me, especially the piece of Alcatraz. It's, it's huge, all right? I'm not going to stick it in my pockets. Is there anything wrong with my rock collection? No. As far as I know, all of my rocks are right with God. Nothing's wrong with any of them. But I don't want to take them on a swim with me. Why? <clears throat> Read between the lines. They're not going to be helpful. All right? There's nothing wrong with them. But I need to leave them at home on this expedition because rocks in your pockets are not a good idea when you're swimming. See, what are you getting at here? Well, there's a lot of things there's nothing wrong with. But they're not conducive or helpful or encouraging in the will of God for your life as you persevere to become a faithful servant. And so in the end, if I desire to swim with rocks in my pocket and drown, it's all because of a foolish weight that I carried with me. There's a lot of things in our life tonight I believe are foolish weights. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. But let me ask you, are they helpful? Do they stir up a spirit in you that hinders you from your focus on becoming a faithful servant? Remember in Jonah chapter 1, when the storm is coming... The Bible says that the mariners took the wares of the ship and they cast them overboard. What were the wares? Were they a bunch of Ouija boards? Evil things? Voodoo dolls? You know, well, what was it inside those boxes that they threw them overboard? I don't know. It was just wares. It was probably some grain or something. Or maybe it was uh, just something they were shipping. Maybe some books. I don't know what it was. No telling what it was. But in itself, there was nothing wrong with those wares. But right now, they were fighting for their life. You know what they were doing? They were trying to persevere. They were passionately pursuing the outcome. You know what that outcome was? Life. They wanted to live. 
And so here's what they did. They said, you know what? This is not worth the hindrance of what it's going to cost me. And so they threw it overboard. There's so many things in our life. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to reflect, does this hinder me from the outcome? Or by the way, does it hinder somebody else? You have to be careful. All right, you can go overboard. I understand that, and I'm sure you're hollering at the TV right now. You know, we can't live our lives for other people. But you know, the Apostle Paul said something about not eating meat. Why? It's caused my brother to stumble. So we've got to be careful in our pursuit to make sure we do not have foolish weights. And I assure you of this, between the, between the outcome, you're going to run into the obstacle of weights. And oftentimes they're foolish. You say, why are you calling my stuff foolish? Look, if it's keeping you from fulfilling the will of God, it's foolish. doesn't matter what it is. If it's keeping you from fulfilling the will of God, it's foolish. So here's what we want to do. Let's go back to chapter 11 real quick. We're going to hurry. Let's look at some of the weights that these people had to deal with. Let's go back to Abel. What kind of obstacles today? Surely Abel had an easy path to fulfill the will of God. I mean, he just coasted in there, cruise control, right? The Bible says, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. I never thought about this until today. So here's old Abel getting his, his lamb. We're going to cut the throat of his lamb and bring it to be obedient and sacrifice it to God. He looks over at his brother, and he's just got a bunch of vegetables. He's thinking to himself, you know, this guy over here, look what he's doing. He's not doing right. You know what? I'm trying to do right, and he's not doing right, and... Oh, I'm going to tell you something. Have you ever seen somebody doing something that you knew that they should not be doing? And it just stirred up a spirit in you? Hey, he's not doing right. And you want to just dog the other person? Happens to me all the time on Facebook. People just love taking dogs by the ears. I think the Bible says something about that. He's looking over here what he's doing. He says, you know what? He's just giving that. And God, I'm trying to do right. And look what that guy's doing over there. He's cheating. And we want to be everybody's referee. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. But Abel had to, Abel had to overcome that. What was the way? Here's, I'm going to give you an example I believe Abel had to overcome. Abel had to deal with the weight of others. He had to deal with the weight of others. Look at what other people are doing. And you allow what other people's doing to affect what you're doing. Don't say it doesn't happen. I feel it on a daily basis. Social media has opened the door so we can see what everybody else is doing. And we start looking at what everybody else is doing. So that guy's messing up, and that guy's not doing it right. And this guy's doing it this way. Maybe I should do it this way. And the only way you will become a faithful witness is to listen to this. Get beyond the weight, the foolish weight of others. We'd all be surprised tonight if we realized how much of our lives were influenced by the weight of others. We would. I, I can... All I have to do is watch a congregation. I could do this at a smaller church. In this church, it's a lot easier because you have a lot more people. You have a bigger sample to choose from. I can tell you what's in style. I watch the styles come and go. You watch it. Why? Because we're influenced by others. I had a kid at camp several years ago, and he had one of those shirts on it with some Chinese writing. And I asked him, I said, what does that say? He says, I don't know. I said, you're wearing a shirt that says something? I mean, it could say, I hate America or, or I'm an idiot. You know, who knows what it said? But he was wearing it. Why? That was the style then. Where are these shirts with Chinese writing on it? He was just influenced by others. I assure you this. There is no way you'll become a faithful witness without persevering through the weight of others. Because sooner or later, you're going to see what somebody else is doing. Hey, they're not doing right. And hey, here I am serving God with a, what's right and he's cheating over there. And you're going to let the influence of others influence what you're supposed to be doing. So you've got to be careful to get rid of the foolish weight of others. Oftentimes, that is, listen, that's not just in person. That can be on social media or even television. First Samuel 8, why did Israel want a king? Why did Israel want a king? We want a king because we just want to follow the Lord. 
No, you read 1 Samuel 8. The Bible says we want a king to judge us like all the nations. You see, Israel was being influenced to deviate from the will of God, to quit persevering. Israel quit persevering. They exited out the will of God. Why? Because of the influence of others. They could not get rid of the foolish weight of others, what everybody else was doing, and eventually they conformed to do what everybody else was doing. So you've got to be careful. Look, I know right now we're having to use social media a lot. Oh, it scares me. It scares me how much our people are having to sit in front of screens and phones and iPads and televisions because there's so many bear traps hidden in the layers of technology. If you're not careful, you're going to look at what everybody else is doing, and you're going to allow what everybody else is doing to influence what you're doing, and the will of God for your life is not the will of God for their life. You've got to persevere what God told you to do, where God told you to do it, until God tells you to do different, to reach the finish line of being a faithful witness. And I promise you this. There is not going to be one person who makes it to become a faithful witness without persevering through the weight of others. Keep reading. Let's look at another one. Let's look at Enoch again. The Bible says in verse number 6, I'm sorry, verse number 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So watch this. I believe Abel had to get through the weight of others. But I thought about old Enoch. I said, what might have Enoch had faced in order to have the testimony of one that pleased God? Now you think about this. Stick with me on this. I think you'll see this. I believe that Enoch had to deal with the weight of self. I believe Enoch had to deal with the weight of self. So how do you know that? You know the, the, the greatest rival for me pleasing God? Do you know who it is? It's myself. Do not tell me you'll never convince me. It's maybe my opinion, but there, look, Enoch was human. He lived in a flesh body. He was tempted like we are tempted. Even though he didn't have technology, they had influence that was there. They had peer pressure that was there. And you know who the greatest rival it is for me to please God? It's pleasing me. Somewhere along the line, in order for Enoch to run his race, he had to lay aside the weight of self. And I assure you, you're going to have to deal with it too. Sooner or later, you're going to come, what was it, the road that diverged in a glen, you know, the different ways, the path least taken, or what is it called? What is it called? Less taken? Yeah, sounds good to me. We'll go with that, all right? You're going to get to a, a fork in the road, and you're going to have to decide to please God or please self. At that moment, at that moment, if you're not careful, yourself will become a foolish weight. Because I want to pursue what I want, to please me and what I want, and therefore I cannot please God because you can't please both. This is what Peter was saying in Acts chapter number 5. <laughs> they were put in prison and God let them out of prison. The Sanhedrin comes up and says, didn't we tell you not to do this? Peter says, yes, yes you did. But see, we have this problem. We ought to obey God rather than man. <laughs> Peter's saying this, look, you know what? Look, you know what have been easier for Peter to do? I mean, it was for Peter's own good that he do what they told him to do. Because he's going to be in trouble if, they don't, if he doesn't do what they tell him to do. But Peter says, you know what? I can't please you, and I can't do what's pleasing to me. Let me tell you, I don't think Peter looked forward to prison. I don't think Peter looked forward to being beat. And it would have pleased Peter so much to not persevere through that and just please, please himself. But no, he says, you know, we ought to obey God rather than man. Here's how I think Peter did that. He says, you know what? I know what you're saying, and, and that scares me, and it bothers me, and it's not going to feel good, and I'm not going to like it. It's not going to please me either. But we had to get over that. Had to get over that. I believe tonight, listen, there's no way, there's no way you're going to make it to become a faithful witness and reach the outcome 
without getting over yourself. You've got to get over ourself. Not please self. Look, you can't tell me Enoch wasn't, wasn't tempted to please Enoch. And yet he did. And God kept him as an example of a faithful witness. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, and boy, I'm fixing to share something with you behind the curtain of my heart. 2 Timothy 2, the Bible says, to study to show ourselves approved unto God. What a focus. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. What does Romans 12 tell us? Holy and acceptable unto God. One of the greatest things that I fight. I'm a, I told you in our Bible study the other day, I'm a people pleaser. What do you mean by that? That doesn't mean I compromise. It means I like to accommodate to people when I can. And I, I told someone yesterday on the phone, I will give up my preference as much as I can, but I can never give up my convictions for somebody. I just can't do that. And for me, it's so easy and desirable to want to please people and say things that people like. But in the end, if I want to be a faithful witness, I've got to get over what pleases me and do what, do what pleases God so that I can be a faithful witness like Enoch. Noah, I believe, had to deal with the weight of the world. It was all by himself. I believe Abraham had to deal with the weight of the past, what he wanted to hold on to, what he liked, his home, what was comfortable with him. He had to deal with that. He had to lay aside that way. He could not let that hinder him from persevering to the will of God to be a faithful witness. I believe Moses had to deal with the weight of the future. He knew what it held for him. That's why Galatians 5 says, who did hinder you? I believe tonight God would have us, I'm going to give you one more point. It's going to be a quick one, so stick with me. I believe God would have us ask the question tonight, look, if you've got sin in your life, let's get that right. The Holy Spirit's going to let you know about that. Let's get that right. What about the weights? Where are our weights? Look, all of us need to lose some weight probably, but I'm talking about the spiritual ones. I need to lose some weight, okay? I understand that, but we need to lose some spiritual weights. What is it tonight? Maybe not to be something wrong. They may not be a bad person. It may not be a bad thing, but it becomes bad when it's hindering you or stirring a spirit in you that is besetting you from persevering to become a faithful witness. So the obstacle, foolish weights. Foolish weights. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. In a moment, it's subjective, all right? We'll see what that means here in just a minute. But I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray with all of my heart that if there's a foolish weight in your life, God's going to let you know. Why? Because I'm mean, and I want you to take, God to take away everything fun that you like? No, I want you to be a faithful witness. I'd love it. Look, I'd love it. I'd love to become a faithful witness myself. We're standing there before God. I'd love to sit back there as your pastor, <laughs> clapping for you. When you, when, it, when you hear well done, I'm going to give you the thumbs up. I'm going to point at you. Well, me and Brother Michael have a cheering section that is there. I'm going to be cheering for you. Why? You reached it. You became a faithful witness. Why? Because, listen, you had the spiritual courage to lose the spiritual weights, those foolish weights. There was nothing wrong with them, but they hindered you from becoming the faithful witness. They hindered your perseverance. And, oh, I look forward to that day when all of our people said, Central Baptist Church, boy, I, I know it's flesh, and I won't be in flesh when I get there. But right now I'm thinking, boy, I'd love to have a big contingency of Central Baptist Church that hear well done. That way I could compare it with the other preachers who didn't have as many. Amen? I don't think it's going to go that way, but I'm cheering for you. And I want you to become a faithful witness. But you've got to get rid of foolish weights. Look at the third thing. How did they do it? How did they do it? How did these faithful witnesses lay aside foolish weights? Well, it's really, really simple. Chapter 12 shows us what they had to do and what we're going to have to do. And this is the obedience. Notice the Bible says this. Verse 1, let us run with patience. The race that is set where? Before us. Pay close attention. It's a directional thing, okay? 
The Bible says in verse 2, looking unto. Notice this. It's set before us, and we're looking unto. Keep reading, keep reading. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's talking about a place, looking unto Jesus. Look at verse 3. For consider him. It almost seems like the end of verse 1, beginning of verse 2, and beginning of verse number 3, that God is pointing. Doesn't it? The Bible says, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, for consider him. It almost seems like God is trying to direct our focus. And that's the key tonight. Number three, look at the obedience. The obedience is a focused will. A focused will. The reason that all of these heroes in chapter number 11 crossed the finish line, became a faithful witness that God included is because they laid aside foolish weights. How do you do that? How do you ignore these things and get rid of these things? It was all about their focus. They were focused. And they focused their will to do God's will. Let me tell you something about myself. I have found that what I find, what I forget, is dependent upon what I'm focused on. Write that down. Put it on a fortune cookie. What I find and what I forget is dependent upon what I'm focused on. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I'll go to my closet every once in a while and look for a shirt <coughs> and not find it. <clears throat> I won't be able to see it there. My wife will come and she'll find it. Why? She was focused on that shirt. She'll tell me to go to the kitchen cabinet and say, honey, would you bring me a screwdriver putting something together? And I'll be looking for a screwdriver and can't find it in there because I'm looking for a red screwdriver. Don't see the green one that's right there in front of me. You see, what I find and what I forget is based on what I'm focused on. And I believe the reason these people in chapter number 11 became faithful servants and were faithful to fulfill the will of God for their life because of what they were focused on. And God's telling us, all right, you see what they did? All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to run your race. Here's how I want you to do it. I want you to keep your focus and focus your will on the finish line, looking to Christ, the race that is set before us, for consider him. I read an interesting story today, a real short story. The Wright brothers, December of 1903, took their first flight in Kitty Hawk. They sent a telegram to their sister, or they sent a letter to their sister. And the letter said this. It says, we have actually flown 120 feet. We will be home for Christmas. She was so excited, she took the letter, the telegram, and she ran to the local newspaper office. This is newsworthy that they flew. And she, she read the, the telegram to the editor of the newspaper, which says, we have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. The editor says, man, that's great. I can't wait to see them at Christmas. Being home for Christmas, that was not the big news. The big news was man had taken flight and flown just a mere 120 feet. It was 120 feet further than he'd ever flown before. And yet he's reading that and he focused in on the Christmas and missed the big news. And I'll tell you something, if your focus is on this stuff, the weights that are slowing you down and besetting you, you're going to forget about that. You forget about the finish, you'll, you'll not be a faithful servant. You're not going to finish the course for which God has left us here and called us to. But if we'll focus, what does the Bible say in the verse 1? What the race is set before us. If our focus is looking unto him, and for, if we consider him, then we're going to forget about these things. How do you leave these things behind? How do you lay aside foolish? How do you snatch the radio out of your car? Because you're focused. Listen, it doesn't matter what it is. Look, if it was ham sandwiches... 
God forbid. But those ham sandwiches that hindered you from being focused on the will of God, may we never eat ham sandwiches again. Why? Because I would rather forget about ham sandwiches than forget about becoming a faithful servant that fulfills the will of God for my life. We've got to decide what it is because our focus and the, the focus of our will is going to determine our outcome. You know why Demas quit following Paul and following and serving with Paul? Lost his focus. At some point in his life, his will was focused on the will of God. And somewhere he started looking at this present world. And when his focus turned to here, he forgot that. See, you can't focus on two things at once. You're going to forget one and you're going to find the other. Hebrews chapter 11 is a whole list of people who fulfill the will of God for their life. Why? Because they had a focused will on crossing the finish line. They want to be a faithful witness. And they reached it. But they had to forget about some things along the way. I believe tonight they were following the example of Christ. And I'll give you this and we'll be done. John chapter 4. Disciples come up and they're telling Christ he needs to eat. And I love that because that's me all the time. I'm focused on eating too. And they come up and they tell Jesus, Jesus, you need to eat. And he says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And they begin to wonder, somebody bring him a sandwich or something? You know, did he have, did he have some Campbell's soup in his pocket or something? I don't know. What, what did he have, you know? He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. You know what Christ was showing them? He had a focused will. He had a focused will. He gets all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's persevering. He's persevering. He's almost across the finish line, just a few days out now from crossing the finish line, being a faithful witness. He's almost there, and he's persevering. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and boy, Satan turns the heat up, and Christ is in agony. You know, he's persevering. And what does he tell his father? Not my will. He said, I'm not going to focus on my will. I'm not going to focus. I'm, I'm focusing on your will. And your will is on the other side of that cross. And he just persevered. By the way, I'm on my way to heaven today because he did. And you're on your way to heaven today because he did. He persevered. He had a focused will. And he left an example for us tonight. The only way we're going to overcome the obstacles those foolish weights. The only way we're going to overcome those obstacles is to overlook them. To overlook them. I don't see them. I don't see them. They're, I'm looking at that. I don't see these things that are here. That's what makes it easier to forget. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, to set our affections on things above. Now think about it. Above. I'm done. I promise. Above. Above. Over. You're overlooking. I'm overlooking. Solomon says that all of this stuff that's under the sun is vanity. That's why you set your affections on things above. There's no way tonight we're going to reach the outcome. What's the outcome? It's a faithful witness. He gave us a whole book of them, a whole chapter of them in, in chapter 11. It, look, there's going to be no excuses. Abel will stand as a witness against us. Enoch will stand as a witness against us. Abraham, Moses, Noah, there they all stand. And they, through perseverance, through more than most of us will ever have to go through, persevere to be a faithful witness by laying aside foolish weights through a focused will. And only you can decide what you focus on tonight. So let's take a moment. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. It's invitation time.